Hey Coconuts, welcome back to TFC's weekly market updates, where we scour the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. For our first story, Property Guru lists on the New York Stock Exchange. Yes, Singapore company, more on that. The second story, is China's tech on the way back from a rebound? And lastly, there's been a pendulum in the US stock market. What's exactly happening? TFC's weekly market update scours the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. It is a banter session with facts, figures, and fun to help you get caught up in the world of investing. So join in the banter live with me, Rakesh, your host, weekly Tuesdays at 8 p.m. on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Hey, Coconuts, welcome back to weekly market updates with me, Rakesh. Anthony. Jefferson, and welcome to the new week, everyone. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's what Can we I, say every my, week, my, right? Welcome to a new week. week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. My heart has been going up and down, green and red, <laughs> just like traffic lights. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've kind of just switched off. It's like, oh, okay, today is green. Oh, today is red. Ah, whatever. It's just, it's just numbers, right? It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. I guess there's a couple of things that we can talk about later. Yeah. All right. To kick off with, yes, property, property guru, what, what's Singapore up? Pride. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite oh. website to to look at things I cannot afford. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Same, same, same. Ninety nine dot co property guru. Yeah, <laughs> definitely right. So yes, for our first story, property guru lists on the New York Stock Exchange. It was actually through a spec, right? So we have been talking about this for a little bit. Uh, specs, rather. I believe Grab went through a spec. We had a few other yep. companies that went through a spec. So they have listed in the New York Stock Exchange and they actually televised it live from New York uh, for all their employees as well. And they had a little celebration in the office. All right. Um, nice. I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, they listed at $8.61. It has since dropped <laughs> um, on its first few days of trading. Um, I don't know what it is now, actually. Have a, have a quick look, Anthony. Let me know. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that that's not too bad, right? The the mm. the original would have been what ten. Usually, it's 10 I would assume. No? Usually, it's ten, right? And then they they open up at at, at sixteen. Oh, that's not too bad. I mean, I have some specs which started at ten and are now at what a dollar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and, and even grab is like what four five dollars starting from ten. So grab you know, is that. Yeah. That's yeah. very true. Yeah, maybe it's early days yet, right? Three weeks later, we go, it oh, yeah, is. it's now $4. I'm probably guru. I'm so sorry we cursed you. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. I'm just trying oh, sorry, to it's it. $7.89 now. So, you know, um, yeah, the, the downtrend is starting. <laughs> yes, absolutely, right? But I think it's it's more Singapore pride here, right? We want to talk about this. I think it's pretty cool. Um, that said, right, Corporate Guru expects mm. this financial year to grow by 44% year on year. Um, I think because more, more and more people are using the platform to sell their houses after all the increase in inflation and all of that, right? <laughs> Which we'll yes. clearly talk about later in the podcast. Now, I think one thing to note that this uh, listing was actually backed by Richard Lee and Peter Thiel. Um, which is pretty cool. How, how do they even know each other, right? I, yeah, exactly. I have no clue. I read this in an article somewhere. Peter Thiel, by the way, for our coconuts out there, he was an early investor in Facebook. Um, and he's been around, is quite big in, in the Silicon Valley as well. However, one note here is, although we want Singapore Pride and want to support them, 
right? Beware of specs is what I would say, right? I think Reggie has this massive thing where he, which he doesn't go for <sighs> IPOs for like a year or something. He's got some some reason behind it which I didn't bother to listen to. Uh, but <laughs> 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 oh, <come on>. <laughs> <laughs> joking, just kidding. <laughs> Yes, and and actually that's part of the reasons why I'm asking you to be careful. It's because usually now it's the the early investors and property guru would want to see some exit and get some real mm. return on investment, right? That's part of the reason why they go and and get listing. So, I, um, any any thoughts on this, Anthony and Jeff? Do you think they'll be releasing some of that money soon? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's two things, right? One one is you know, as as like an IPO, um, maybe less a direct listing, a, a spec is, and, and a de-spec, which is the, the listing part, is, is really a way for the, the VC and, and the earlier investors to monetize, right? So so it's, it's for them to sell at least a portion of their stake um, more than for, and, and of course for the company to, to get more access to capital, you know, based on warrants and, and all of that in, in a smart context, right? So so that's that's that. Um but you know that doesn't mean that it's always bad. I think that there's been a lot of you know gripes and complaints about spec valuations and and people rushing for deals and, and bad deals being struck. Um let's not say that all specs are that way. Let's let's you mm. know give it a chance and, and see how it goes. I mean you know, and, and it's very easy, right? Um, when, when you spec, you can, you can give five-year projections about what, how you think your business will do. Let, let's just see one year down the road, you know, where, whether it's anywhere near what they're projecting. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah, you're going 44% a year. Well, great, but that's actually not, not that great, given, given that you're, such, you're so small, right? I think it, it's what, one, one two billion? Um, as as a listed company, so so it's you know relatively small market cap, but it's not huge. Yeah, it should be growing more than that. Cap. Yeah, yeah. I I I think something interesting is that uh, I remember having to look at the investor presentation sometime uh, last July, mm. uh, or was it June? I I can't really remember. Um, but I remember that one of the investment theses was having to 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 sort of build a vibrant. Uh, affluent properties like seekers to drive property sector growth for foreseeable future something along that lines <laughs> and they were saying that they, they were trying to capitalize a lot on COVID yeah mm-hmm. right. so like transforma- uh, transformative in- investment during COVID uh, trying to monetize post-COVID periods and what's not but I'm, I'm just very curious as to why they did it you know uh, somewhat you know post-COVID or you know closer to post-COVID instead of Back back when they went like maybe a year back or something like that. Yeah. Um to me I feel that like this this whole thing is more of a you know, raise raise money fast and uh put their name out there to the rest of the world, you know. To, for them to have like billionaires having to back them, like Peter Thiel, it's it's a it's a feat, right? And it yeah. adds credibility yeah. to the to the business. Not just for them to be able to get uh see uh market cap. But maybe even in like Europe or US as well, maybe potentially there are plans to expand, expand. Uh, abroad. Yeah, so I, I I see it more like a potential expansion than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think the well, you you can't really run away from the feeling that this was part of partly to capitalize on the spec hype last year, right? And, yeah. and you know, every every no Absolutely. specs were dying for deals. They they were giving crazy valuations and. Well, I mean, if you are a founder of a company and you go, oh, actually, you know what? 
I, I'm somebody's telling me I'm worth two bill when I'm worth only when I think I'm only worth one. Sure, I'll, I'll bite your hand off and take it, right? Let's go. So, <laughs> yeah, let's go. So, so you know, you you you. I think it's just a product of its time. We we can't run away from that feeling, you know. Even though we we don't actually know whether that that's correct or not. Yeah, yeah. I think time will tell. Let's see after the or currently it's dipping, but let's see in a few months' time. I think this year is going to be a crucial year for Property Guru. If, like what Jefferson mentioned, they're looking at opening new markets, maybe even in the US, maybe in Europe, who knows, right? Yeah, um, I mean, they, they, they have lots of business plans, right? They, I, I was reading mm-hmm. somewhere, I think they, they wanted to expand into home services. So, you know, oh, if, yes. if so, something in your, prop- in your property spoils you know, and you want to book an aircon re- repairman, you can book it through the app. Um, so, so kind of like uh, um, in, in the US. So, 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 so things like that, I mean, they are difficult markets to crack. Um, and, and Southeast Asia, you know, as, as we all know, it's, it's a lot of countries, right? Each with its own peculiarities and, and all that. So I don't know. I, this is all a shot, right? It's, it's a really long shot. But if, if they can do it and if they can execute well and, and no reason to say that they cannot, then, you know, I think that's that'll be great, right? You'll be looking at a big, big market cap. But if you can't, then, then you can't. And, and that's it, right? Um, no, no harm, no far. Cool, but I think you know, on a, on a more positive note, I'm hoping to see more Singapore companies list in the future. I think that's that's really a a good thing I wanted to bring up for from today's topic. And we uh, can buy Singapore specs. Okay, I mean, we, we, NYSE, have, we have two specs yeah. listed in Singapore. <laughs> Actually, what was it? Uh, um, one spec by Tamasek, the other by, by some P fund. I can't remember, but yeah, they they are looking for acquisition targets. So, so you know, you you will see. And, and Hong Kong is, has its own spec regime now as well. So, so you will see more and more of these, you know, pop up. Cool. So the financial coconut going through the Tamasic spec, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they have enough money for us, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Awesome, folks. All right, all right. Back on track. Um, for a second topic, Anthony, take it away. All right, China Tech. I mean, uh, sometimes I think we, we are brilliant market timers, right? Last week we were talking about, oh yeah, you know, this, this China Tech thing, how long more will it last? This sounds terrible. We don't know. And the day after we, we recorded the episode, so, so last Wednesday, um, the market went popped, up, right? right? It went up like... Yeah. I think they went up 30%. Alibaba went up 30%. And Zen was like 27%. I was like, what the fuck? We just, we just recorded an episode on this. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah. Perfect timing, um, bro. That, that, that was. So, so yeah, prices shot up. It's cooled down a bit. It's come back down a, a bit more. Although Alibaba announced more, a bigger buyback, so they shot up again. Um, mm. but, but yeah, you know, that, that's just been a lot of price movement. A lot of it. Theoretically, you know, if we need to find the news or some driver for it, it was because um, a Chinese vice premier, Liu He, I, I didn't actually read his Chinese name, so I can't, don't know how to pronounce it. Um, he, he said at a, at a meeting of their Financial Stability and Development Committee that, uh, look, guys, we know that we have been very tough on you, you know, but don't worry, we'll support overseas listings. You know, I, I know you have trouble in the US with their audit requirements. We'll find a way to solve that. We'll be clearer going forward about regulation. We will complete, you know, our regulation of our platform companies as soon as we can and, you know, everything will be good, right? And the market just took that as a sign as, hooray, you know, this whole thing has ended. It's business <laughs> as usual or business as before. So, so time, time to, you know, start buying, right? But 
I don't know, man. Um, I, I don't know if it's that clear cut. Do, do you? What, what do you guys think? Um, well, I I think that you know that the whole tidal waves of concerns is what they are trying to address, like what you've mentioned, right? So it's the very first time that the uh, you know the Chinese government ever stepped in to try to save their own capital markets and what's not. Um, but I the way the way I see is that we we need to see how much of these policy pivots actually manifest. Uh, I think the hope is that in the face of increasing growth concerns, there's now a firm China put in that sense where you, you can bet <laughs> against China not to do too well, right? Because you, you now have the, the government officials stepping up to say that, hey, uh, this is what we are trying to do. And we think about it, why, why the sudden need to to quell all these uh, unnecessary concerns when, you know, China was, like we have already discussed, it's, it's, it's going pretty well. And then the, 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 this week, you start seeing a lot more news on, on the credit front, the Chinese, the Chinese credit front on Evergrande, uh, their subsidiaries, the, the strong uh, businesses and what's not, all of which coming out in the news again. So yeah. I, I don't see it to be like a coincidence sort of thing. But I think mm-hmm. uh, the Chinese government knew what was coming. They, they need to calm the, the credit markets, as we have discussed before. And yep. that's, that has to manifest. If, not, if it doesn't, then we definitely will see China growth having to slow down a lot more. Yeah, that's how I see it. So in other words, you don't know lah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we all don't know. Yeah, we all don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I gave the technical rebound for last week China equity. I think those who caught it, you know, <laughs> buy me a coffee or something. Yeah. Yeah. Got it, got it. So we definitely do see, do, we do see some growth, but we just don't know how much. Mm. Right? Yeah. And yes, we, we, we just don't know how much. And I think we, we actually don't even know if, if this is an a actual pivot, right? Or if it's just, you know, words and saying the correct things. And, you know, not, because they, they didn't really release any real regulations or, or do anything, right? They just said, oh, yeah, don't worry. We, we know your concerns and, and we will deal with it, right? And that's, I mean, that, that's nice, right? It is, it's a nice um, reassuring statement, but it, it doesn't actually do anything, right? And... I mean, they, they just said we will complete, um, I think if you look at the Chinese words, it, it's more like we'll, we'll complete rectification of, of our major internet platforms. So it, it's not that they are not going to regulate anymore, right? It, it's just they are finishing up their framework on how they want to regulate you. And, and we don't actually know how, how bad or how good that will be. You know, so, so wait like, which is why I guess Alibaba is still at 100 and not 200. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that, that, that's probably, you know, I, I would still be very cautious, right? I, and just, just on Jeff's point, I think they, in 2018, they actually did come out and, and soothe markets, you know, um, previously to, to say, oh yeah, let, let's, you know, we, we want to, to make our capital markets grow. grow. It, it's good for our national economy and all that. And you know, that, mm. that led to the increases in 2019 and, and well, we, we all know what happened in 2020, right? So it's, it's not, I mean, you know, depending on the time frame, it's, it's not that, it's not a given as well that, you know, everything is, is kosher going forward. Got it. So be aware, but there could be some potential. Yeah. 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 I mean, if, if you bought the, the absolute bottom, I think you're up 20, 30%. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, was it $70 been, on Alibaba, was it? Yeah, it was, it was, I think, yeah. 80 and, and now it's 100 80. or 110. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, but if, if you have been averaging down, you know, I, I'm sorry, I 
think you are still underwater. Um, <laughs> and if you saw as at the absolute bottom, um, like you know, because you just thought it was a strategy shift away, and you did not like KWEB anymore, then no. <laughs> <laughs> like a that, like a particular like, brand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. Then then well, uh, this one you, you really need to go tempo and praise them so. <laughs> So actually, that brings us to our third topic, right? Because we talked a little bit about China uh, and its volatility, <laughs> the up and down and, and, and going up that way. Now, let's talk about the other side of the world, Jeff. What's the volatility there? Yeah, I guess it's a, it's a, it's a question mark, right? The, the past couple of weeks have been a question mark. Yeah, more so this week because yesterday you have Powell stepping up to make some very aggressive comments. Uh, yes. What do you say? Uh? What do you say? Uh? Uh, he says a, he says a bunch of stuff. Where, where, where do you want me to start? <laughs> break it, break it <laughs> down. TLDR, TLDR. Exactly, yeah. TLDR for us. TLDR. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I, I think one of the statement that caught my attention is that he, he started with the hawkish, uh, he he stepped up his hawkish rhetoric with a phrase that he says, uh, there's an obvious need to move uh expeditiously to return the stance of monetary policy to a more neutral level and then to move to a more restrictive level if that is what is required to restore price stability. And the I mean he keep repeating the the, the call to have to move very quickly, very rapidly. Um I it's, it's a fat startup. Uh. Yeah I mean it's <laughs> move a, quickly, move rapidly. <laughs> yeah. It's a shift from Previously, in January, he was using the word steadily a lot, and now mm-hmm. he's using uh, expeditiously uh, as, a, as a signal that a 50 basis point uh, rate hike might be coming in that sense. And in fact, a couple of minutes ago, uh, Bulat just came out to say that hey, uh, <sighs> he wants to, he, he potentially see rate hikes to be uh, a lot faster, and he wants the Fed to string balance sheet even further. Yeah, so that's, that's the take on it. Um, but I, I think I think it's it was still all right on the equity front last night. You you barely see uh, any move, which was surprising to me because I I thought that hey, um, given the fact that it was a surprise Powell like, appearance, like hawkish, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I I guess no one really care anymore in that sense. No. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, everyone okay. seems. It, it, it was good only for for big tech and and I think some of the more old school industries though. I I was sorry, I'm just scrolling through like my my high high beta tech and it's like everything's down, like four percent, five percent. So so yeah, it's, it's just different segments of the market. I think Apple went up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I guess it's a good sign that you still see a little bit of red, right? In the sense yep. because uh the market is still worried and the concerns are are now. Known unknowns as well, in the sense where you have mm-hmm. high inflation leading to central bank tightening, uh, that is going to catalyze a potential economic slowdown in that sense. And and yeah. in some sense, if you think back, right, it, you look back in history, this reminds me of the time when Vokers came into uh, Vokers for the previous uh, one of the previous uh, central bank uh, Fed cent- uh, Fed chair, um, very much like Powell, and right. he. He made a very bold call that caused uh, economic recession. It was a bold but necessary uh, <laughs> a hike in that sense. 
Um, right. Yeah, so I think I think Poirier is really channeling his inner vocal in this sense, trying to <laughs> raise rates aggressively to stem uh, rising inflation. He doesn't care anymore. He doesn't he doesn't care what the world says about him having to uh, protect capital markets and what's not. Doesn't yeah. yeah that doesn't matter the, anymore. It, the Fed put is kind of gone, or, or yeah. it's at a much lower level now. Yeah, or right. or whatever election that you talk about this year. He doesn't care. He's a uh, he's right. on the path of destruction. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I want to talk about this recession thing, but before that, I need you uh, and for the cocos listening. If you don't, if you know, then just bear with me. If you don't know, I think it'll be good for you to know because I don't know. Is you mentioned Powell and then you mentioned Bullard, right? Um, yeah. mm. Can you tell me the difference between them and what sort of powers they have in that in that sense? Yep. Yep. Sure. For sure. Uh, Bullard. He's one of the FOMC uh, guys that sit sit there to make the decision to vote for a, for a hike or a cut or to keep things neutral and what's not. Ultimately, after they vote and what's not, Powell is the one that has to make the decision to, to mm-hmm. say whether a hike is going to take place or a cut is going to take place. Oh. So very much, uh, Bullard tend to be a contrarian of what the FOMC is like. So like Brainiard, uh, uh, Bullard, these two people are usually, they are usually contrarians. Yeah. If the general market is saying that uh, it's going to be hawkish, then they, are, they tend to be like, oh yeah, we need to be a little bit more bullish or they will push the extremes. Yeah. And I, I, like, I like it in that sense because um, it gives you a different perspective as to what they are seeing as well. And the, the mm. things they look at, the, the indicators they look at are very, very different. Yeah. Mm. So I guess it creates some form of perspective that is, uh, is important, especially at this point of known unknown kind of period. Yeah. Yeah. So, got it. So Bullard sits in the Fed. Yes. Yeah. Right? yes. He's it's in the reserve. A, it's, it's, a, it's a committee, right? And, and he's yes. just like a member so of the committee. Got it. Yep. So he's a member of the committee. The committee then, the committee then discusses and has all of these discussions like Macham in the 16th chapel then once they come up with the answer they will go and give it to Powell then Powell yeah. will look at that and then yeah. decide to go I don't I, I think this is bullshit I'm not going to go with no, this No, po- Powell has to vote as well yeah, po- Oh, so Powell, Powell votes vote. as well Yeah, yeah But the voting for FOMC it doesn't mean that you, you are a fat, cha- uh, fat president you get to vote so the FOMC will rotate in that sense the, the, okay. the people will sort of rotate Yeah, but Powell will always be there in that sense Got it. But why this is important is that they usually, because they look at two separate matrices, they're looking to see the full market. So at least when they discuss, they're coming with differing points of view. And then they'll be able to to negotiate, argue, discuss the next few steps if if you think that happen. So this gives a foolproof, well, we try as much as possible to give a foolproof angle into what the next decision would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood. So thanks, Coconut. So hope you learned a the thing there, like, like I did. So <laughs> thanks so much, Jeff. So in terms of this power of channeling is in a vote or something like that. A vocal. Causing, vocal, vocal, vocal. sorry. He, causing he a causing a chair. Yeah, former, former fat chair. Yeah. Right. Wow. After Greenspan. Uh, before, I think. Before, before Greenspan. Ah, okay. Okay. Before Greenspan. Right. So there are, I'm seeing some articles, rumors that if we keep going like this and, and all of this, it could co- very well cause a recession, right? And today, Jeff, you mm-hmm. brought it up a little bit. Um, what, what do you think? Do you think he doesn't care? So we are going for a 50 basis points hike. Therefore, if it causes a recession, so be it. Well, I, I, have a, I, have, 
I have a very different view from this because uh, judging from the price movement on Monday, then you see the Fed chair re-slipping further into a no-win no interaction with markets, right? There's mm. more familiar to developing countries that lack policy credibility than to a systematically important central bank like the Fed and let alone the worst, most powerful one, right? So mm. if you think about it, it's like absent a quick... Uh, re-establishment of its inflation creation, then something that the markets doubted again on Monday, then the Fed would definitely face even more of a no-win policy paradigm that would cause what in a few months back we, we, we thought will be unavoidable uh, harm to livelihood yep. in the US and beyond, right? We, we discussed that mm. as well because yeah. we want to make sure that the central bank is... is um, is committed to his decision in that sense. But if you think about it right now and you look at what they are trying to say, this, this whole sequence is very, very familiar to some developing country. So mm. first, you have mm. a misdiagnosis of the economic situation uh, or <laughs> policy inertia. <laughs> and then, you know, the central bank is actually four backs behind the inflation realities that yep. erodes its inflation fighting cap uh, credibility. Then the yeah. second one is definitely where yeah, what was what happened yesterday, where you have the central bank swallowing its pride, acknowledging that inflation is too high, and says that hey, we need to toughen up our policy narrative and embark on a much needed uh, measures. And then the 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 third, which is possibly coming up as well, is that rather than assuring, uh, rather than being assured by this, right? Because of all these late changes and what's not, then markets decide to run even further than the central <laughs> bank. And this, you know, perpetuate <laughs> the need for the central bank to uh, be even more aggressive. And, uh, and, and then the right. fourth one, which is the last step, is, is to which the central bank finds itself in the dilemma of either risking a recession by validating the ever more hawkish uh, market pricing or then to seek uh, to minimize such damages or which often, you know, come... Uh, doesn't doesn't come to fruition in a sense where you have yep. a full blown recession. Yep, uh, by enabling high and potentially more destabilized inflation to persist even longer. Yeah, so mm. I think this is very familiar to me, and I I think the Fed <laughs> is going down that path as well. Unfortunately, um, rece recession or not, it's not a call for concern to my, to to me, but it's more mm. of like what exactly is the what, what, exactly, what exactly is the Fed trying to do here? Mm. Well, if you are saying that uh, inflation is getting a lot more serious because of whatever reasons, like your global supply side shocks or Ukraine-Russia war, maybe you know something that we don't know. I, I, I have mm -hmm. no idea. But ultimately, I think like the, is, this, is, this is definitely not an optimal policy response for the Fed. And... Um, I worry that being so late and having to lose so much credibility, the Fed is far away from the policy world of, you know, the first best in that sense. And yeah. rather than having to uh, contain inflationary expectations and cause no undue damage to the economy and meet its whole dual objective, the Fed is the one, you know, the, the perpetrator in this case. Causing the yes. recession, which kind of, which kind of uh, awful, right? If you think about it, it's yeah. it's such a it's such a weird trade off. Like you are trying to, uh, you are trying to, you know, resolve this whole issue, but you're 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 making things worse. 
<laughs> yeah, but I think it's 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 kind of a trade off that we have been talked we have been talking about again and again, right? Because you know when we raise interest rates, you naturally cool the economy as well. That's how you cool inflation. So you know, and and the the question always was, well, they are trying to walk a tightrope. You know, can they raise rates enough to? cool down inflation without causing a recession. I, I think, you know, may, maybe the, the war was just the, the, the tipping point, right, with, with all the supply chain shocks and, and the various um, sanctions, which, which themselves also have a bit of an effect on the US economy and, and the global economies as well. You know, yeah, that we are just on the wrong side of the tightrope now. Um, and, and if, you know, we are going to be super charitable, uh, a way of reading the Fed and then the 50 basis points hike could be, look, they, they know a recession is coming. They're just trying to push the interest rate up as high as they can so that when the recession comes, they have an ability to react to it. Because if a recession strikes tomorrow, they're not going to decrease interest rates anymore, right? They have no, they yeah. have barely any room to lower to, to stimulate the economy. So, so yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a that very odd be. reading, I would say, but you know, maybe they're just preparing for, for it um, instead of trying to walk the tightrope. Yeah, but how about I produce, uh, how about I, I talk about another perspective, right? What's wrong with the recession? Right? I guess that's a, that's a question I have for you. Now, by, by, by definition, a recession means negative uh, fall in GDP for two or three quarters, right? Yeah. Two. Um, but hasn't the GDP been increasing quite a fair bit during COVID? Right? Say, increased by X, right? And, in, and it was at Y. So in, by increasing this rate, yes, they're going to cause a recession, but it's not going to go back to Y. It could go back to X minus 2, which is maybe somewhere in the, in the half range of Y. Because during COVID, they have spiked way too much and they want to just bring that back down. Yeah, well, I mean... Did I confuse everyone or...? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I, I think you're no, saying I, that... I, we just want perpetual growth, right? That, that's it. Mm. <laughs> and, and that's why GDP always has to be... Yeah, but they aren't... I mean, the Fed aren't interested in perpetual growth. Right? They, they care about the well, economy and so, the real inflation. Yeah, but and, they, they also care about GDP. And, and the whole point of monetary policy is instead of letting a business cycle go through booms and busts, you, you control it, right? That, well, at least that was what Macro 101 um, taught me. I'm sure there's a lot more nuance to that. But, you know, it, so, so it's meant to be, you know, a, a steady state and steady increases or as steady as they can keep it more than, you know, going up 20% a year and then down 15% the next year, mm-hmm. that, that sort of thing, um, which is the, the whole point of monetary policy. So, so if they are not, if they're going to, yeah, then that kind of explains why people want to avoid um recessions to me because the whole point is to to avoid it so so yes that's why they want to avoid it but i think jeff might have a more um technical nuanced view on it yeah i guess one of the things that the fed really looks at is this thing called the r star right so if like Mm. the r star is basically just like natural rate of interest uh which really just refers to real or inflation adjusted uh interest rate that is consistent with an economy at full uh, employment. Yeah, so you, you want inflation mm. to stabilize at a desired target at the same time. Yeah, and you want to be able to achieve full employment. But the funny thing about the whole COVID situation is that we already have a surging labor force participation from COVID, a quick healing supply chains that, that has already been happening before the Ukraine Russia uh, war that took place. And in fact, like, Apart from the oil uh, issue with Ukraine, uh, Russia and wheat and what's not, apart from commodity shock in that sense, I think 
the supply chain is still healing, yeah, you know. Mm. And also given the fact that you have really uh, consequential productivity gains from COVID, like everyone work from home and the productivity is still great. E- everything is still yeah. uh, very much resilient. You have your financial market to be super resilient as well. But what, what it seems like right now is that the central bank seems to be digging a deep hole for itself because one, one of the reasons is that the, the balance sheet has really been so big yeah, mm-hmm. that they have to shrink it. And shrinking it essentially gives the same effect of you having to raise rates in that sense. Yeah, I mean, it's not synonymous, but it's, it's, the, it's essentially the, the same effect in some sense. And on, on that front, you also have flush liquidity that really took place during COVID and what's not. So you it's, you put down so many time bomb for yourself that you need to you you yeah. need to or rather you put so many mines for yourself and you need to clear the mines now. You need to defuse yeah. all of them. Yeah, exactly. So it has become a case where the Fed looks like they are just simply hoping for immaculate recovery, right? And say like, okay, <laughs> let's let's hope that we will not fall into recession anymore, and mm. um and things will be fine. And if we do fall into recession, then hey something good must come out of it. And I don't know what that good is because right now you, you control see, inflation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. You control inflation, then what? Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I mean, no, I think that's, that's fair, right, Jeff? So you, you were talking about them actually making a little bit of a mistake during COVID because they've laid down too many mines, right? Now, now correct me if I'm wrong, right? The way I look at it is maybe they dug themselves a hole in COVID because nobody knew what was going on. And in all fairness, yeah, exactly. none of us knew what was going on. So they dug exactly. themselves the hole and now they're trying to get out of it. At what cost is effectively maybe the, the questions at the FOMC meetings were and the members were having as well, right? Mm-hmm. And if they're doing that and they go into some sort of a recession, like like what you mentioned, that is not ideal, but possible, what is the gain? Right? I guess that's a question that you were asking as well. At, at what point? What's the cost yeah. and what's the benefit? Well, what I was I was looking at, and and maybe if we can back that up with some numbers, I don't have that offhand right now, but I do believe during COVID, income inequality skyrocketed and wealth inequality skyrocketed as well. That means the 1% got a lot more richer than the rest. So by increasing interest rates, the gain is to bring that back down in terms of income equality. Mm, Would well, you not I, say I, that? Is I that see it a little far? bit different because um, usually when you, you see high and sustained uh, inflation, it has to it has to be taking up the probability of a higher tax on US corporates and upper income household as well in that sense. So by having to essentially shift or rather bring inflation a little bit lower, you're actually putting um, some focus on pressure building on the lower end uh, consumer themselves. I mean, you, if it, it's a little bit counterintuitive in a sense because you if you think about it, if you have inflation, then the whole economy get hurt and what's not, right? Like ceteris paribus, everyone get hurt regardless. Everything mm-hmm. get expensive. But yes. the, the thing about having to raise rates uh, is that you are raising rates, but the, you are having people to pay loans on their houses and what's not. They, the refinancing loans get a lot more expensive and things like that. All of which are... Uh, the loans that they take tend to be big ticket items if you think about yep. it. So yep. when you have things that are on big ticket items, rate, a rate hike isn't that great in that sense because mm-hmm. you are essentially hurting your, the, the take-home salary that an average uh, American can, can sustain, right? Yeah, yeah the, cons- the consumption will drop as well. So from, from that front, 
is that the, the rich will still be very happy in that sense because, you know, it takes away the pressure of them having to uh, get tax higher, you know, to, to do their part for the economy and what's not, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it widens the, 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 wealth, the wealth gap in that sense. It doesn't make it a pleasant place. Yeah. I don't want to be in the US at that point in time when the, you know, you have 50 basis point uh, the next month and the following month following which you have another 50 basis point. Yeah. It's, it's not yeah. healthy in that sense on the, on the front for these low, low end consumers. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. Anthony, anything to add there? No, no, I, I think, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't, I just don't, don't fundamentally see the, the Fed's remit as reducing income inequality, right? And, and I don't think they, they see that as part of the remit as well. So, you know, and, and really a lot of the increase in inequality actually came about because the, the capital markets went, went crazy and shot up, right? Yes. So, you know, I, I think these, these are byproducts of, of what's been going on um, more, more than, I, I guess, um, primary goals that they're trying to achieve, yeah. Cool. I think this was a good discussion. Thanks. Thanks so much. And actually, yes, if the Fed does increase the rates, I'm sure, you know, Singapore will be affected. And for coconuts out there, if you want to know how Singapore will be affected by, by the US Fed increases, please let us know. We're happy to do a deeper dive in and maybe dive down into showing you how that increase would affect Singapore lives, right? And, and Singapore inflation and so on. Please let us know so at... Much, um, so much profiteering going on. I know. <laughs> Please let us know at uh, through our socials or, or email us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Yeah? Awesome. Thanks so much, folks, for, for coming in today as usual. Um, sorry I was a little late, but um, I've shaved. So that's Terrible. always a good thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks so much. We'll see you, folks, next week. Bye. Bye. Okay, Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh and trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.